0: Welcome to the Tone Duff Sessions, hosted by Bruce Duck, author of The Smell of Death, musician, producer, and artist manager. The conversations are recorded at Tone Duff Studio in Hollywood, California, and are a feature of Rare Bird Radio. As promised, today we got something a little different and uh, out of the ordinary, very special. Uh, What it is, is a vintage interview, not done here at Tone Duff, not done on the nice equipment we record this stuff with, done on a handheld cassette tape recorder. From 1993, it is an interview with Lemmy Kilmister of Motorhead, and it was done for the magazine Bass Player. And it came out later, quite a bit later, actually. It came out in August, uh, the August issue anyways, which I'm assuming was probably early summer, of 1994. I'm going to read you some of the stuff uh, that I wrote in the magazine introduction and tell you a few other details, and then we're going to kick into this very noisy analog tape, which I've done some work to to make it not quite sound like you're in the middle of a hurricane, but still got plenty of noise. It is a cassette recorder, handheld, sitting on a table with a couple guys talking into it. This was my second interview uh, conducted at Lemmy's Small Apartment. Uh... In Hollywood, sort of catty-cornered from uh, from the Rainbow behind the Nine Thousand Building on Sunset. If anyone knows where that is, he was there for his entire time uh, in Los Angeles, and uh, there will be some weird things you hear. There's some stuff I cut out that he said don't print this. So I, you know, that was something he was telling me, and I felt. Also, that it would be something he wouldn't want me to play on a podcast many years later because he asked me not to print it. So I respected that and took some of that stuff out. Uh, Also, when the interview's happening at Lemmy's house, he's a very show-and-tell type of guy. So there's lots of times we're talking about something and he would say, oh, you want to see it? And then he would get up and look for it. And uh, at those points, I turned the tape recorder off because these uh, interviews also... Uh, ran very long, much more material than I needed. So I realized pretty early on dealing with Lemmy in an interview uh, context that saving tape was a good thing because he would just keep going and talk and had a lot he was very open and liked to talk. It wasn't always about what the interview topic was as you will hear. And I think that's part of what makes it cool and uh, what also shows you a little bit more about the man himself. I'm going to read a little bit from the article itself for my intro, uh, kind of give you the flavor of what was happening uh, during the interview itself. Uh, Here we go. Lemmy welcomed me to his place on his 48th birthday. He had just returned from Germany, Motorhead's strongest market, where they toured in support of their latest release, Bastards, on the German label ZYX. As I settled in, he perused a copy of Bass Player to get a feel for the mag, and spotted a picture of John Patitucci with his six-string bass. Quote, I've never understood why anyone needed more than four strings. You go any higher and it sounds like a guitar. Any lower and it just sounds like you shit yourself. Lemmy lives in Hollywood, not far from the heart of the Sunset Strip, and he's unchanging in his home environment, invariably wearing the same thing. Micro short Levi's cutoffs. And nothing else. He's a gracious interviewee, pouring me as much Jack and Coke as you can drink and dolling out as many Marlboros as your lungs can handle. So here we go, back to 1993. And do keep that in mind, because there's things we talk about that you'll ask yourself, why would anyone talk about that? Well, because it was 1993. As I turned on the tape recorder, you'll hear us talking, and it might not make sense right off the bat. We are watching court TV, and at the time, it was a parole hearing for Manson family member Leslie Van Houten. And that's where our story begins.
1: I mean they said it, it dropped, in,
2: thousand but it dropped in a week. It dropped in a week. she be out? The yeah. And we just accepted. You think? That's the problem. I don't know. Now they I mean, accept judge so- by shootings. Yeah, but this was such a...
0: Yeah, Such but it's an old. See, thing, but
2: it's right. old. You so, know, it's fucking old. People forget. That she, she's some old woman now in the jail. You know, she ain't no fucking young blister with a fucking tie-dye T-shirt and a dripping knife. You know. Yeah. Well, she, I mean, I keep she's she's talking lucidly. She passed all these exams. She seems to have a ton for a crime, but she could never do that.
1: I could even accept that she could come out and not be a threat to society, yeah, but, but so what?
2: She shouldn't be let out. Yeah, just I mean, what she did just is doing enough. It. Exactly. Yeah that 10 minutes when she decided to do it you know that 10 minutes should have took her life away from her
1: that's what people seem to forget i mean just like that whole uh reginald denny thing people were like willing to let it go because right. it was a spur of the moment but the fact is the guys did it it's on tape you can well, watch it they
2: did it so well too that's the trouble isn't it? and they were so into it yeah that's what i mean i mean that that cunt that like drop kicked in and then danced uh, around going like this, you know, like, kick a man when he's down on the floor, already been hit five times, crawling around half-conscious, and you think you're a hero? Fuck that guy, shoot him. i got very strong views about people who do violence for no reason.
1: Yeah, it seems like everything's pretty much all out of whack when it comes to...
2: Well, the trouble is we haven't got a water to fight. The Gulf War let us down, so we've got to find another one now. It's difficult. You know, the Pentagon is having meetings to find a new enemy. Do you know that?
1: <laughs> I didn't know
2: that. Yeah, because the old enemy's out the window, so you're then panic-stricken. Now they have to stone the fucking army down if they don't find a new one. So they they got think tanks on to find a new enemy. Would you bet she is the Middle East? Safe there, isn't it? You know? Yeah, it's nice and far away. Yeah, far away. Send the boys out, body bugs come back and no blood on the outside, though. You know, and you can uh, get. Bows of ashes, which you can pretend are theirs, you
1: know. <laughs> it's sort of always been the American way, do it. Yeah. Do it away from home.
2: Yeah, really. Well, everywhere is far away from home, really, except Mexico. And you tried that one. Wow. Well, I, I didn't even know you, were, you guys were at war with Mexico in the First World War, until I saw it on TV.
1: I didn't know that either. I thought the Mexican War was back in the
2: 1800s. Yeah, Mexicans opposed you going through there or something to South America and they're giving asylum to German submarines and there's a brief but bitter campaign wow. you know the Texas Rangers went across the border with yeah. the little badges on you know just showed them goddamn Mexicans you know who was the boss and all that shit it was just like the Alamo. made me all missed up there for a while you know yeah fucking joke it's like people coming in here they go oh you must be an actor you know I mean I collect you know you can tell yeah, yeah, this, is yeah, this like, is a great collection. This has actually not,
1: been beefed up since I was here. Right? Yeah, this is
2: not idle shit, you know, I'm a collector, right? You know, I'm recognized as such in the magazines because they printed a quote from me that says Collector LA, L. Kilnus, you know, these people who read that don't know I'm an abandonment, you know, I'm a collector. And like they come in here you sit this "Oh, you must be a Nazi. I say, well, I'm talking about the Red Indians anytime. I'm talking about genocide, thought out, planned, and still being done.
0: It's
1: true.
2: Hitler stopped doing it after 12 years because they killed him, you know. the you fuckers are still doing it, you know. And there's exactly the people who say, I'm a Nazi, that are turning a blind eye to it. You know. Well,
0: stuff's incredible looking. I mean, yeah, that's why I started. Graphically, it's That's why I started,
2: you know. That's, you always get attracted to the symbolism. Without knowing what it symbolizes. But as I got into it, I got more and more, you know. And... You can never get it all, you see, that's the great thing about it, you know. It's like there's bits gone missing. And it could be anywhere, you know. Probably in a GI's duffel bag coming back, you know. There's Goering's hunting knife and his industrial presentation, you know, all these daggers and shit.
1: Where do you uh, where do you pick the stuff up at? I mean, how do you know where to go find it or Oh, uh, well I,
2: I I get it out of cut-logs. I'll show you the cat if you want. still real bad sort dagger which was found and given to West Point, right? I just found out the one it was copied from was his brother-in-law's one, and that's just come to the surface. This guy's kind of been keeping it a secret for years, you know. And then there's these little numbers. Do you know? <laughs> Do you know what's the one for that one? I wouldn't even have any idea. Thirty thousand dollars. Jesus. This one is ninety-eight thousand dollars. It's amazing. Who collects all this stuff? Collectors. <laughs> It makes sense, huh? Glover. All kinds of people. A lot of retired soldiers collected. Particularly the pictures though of this stuff. Some can imagine. A lot of Damascus steel, you know. Uh-huh. So I just came up with this in July while we were just there. Promoter bought it for me. Oh it's a police school.
1: Yeah, I was over in Germany, and it's amazing how much, you know, things like this are just kind of in, in shops, just mm. around.
2: because you with the grand. This Christmas present I got this year.
1: But you just had a birthday, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Christmas this year, I got to spend it on the ground. What do you mean? the last three years, I've been 35,000 feet on my way. Oh, oh.
1: We're always coming back off a tour right on Christmas Eve well, we're always
2: coming back from Germany yeah we played the six call Heavy Metal Meetings you know like there's a couple of thrash bands and this time it was us and uh, Creator Skew Siskin um, <laughs> I'm hanging about nothing but they, they don't do nothing for me you know they all say I'm a great influence on them and I don't understand it you know because you'd think you'd hear it yeah, I mean I think they would have adopted what I give them and took it someplace else but all they seem to get is the volume and the speed from us you know there's a lot more about that didn't what are they call Entombed there's one oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah
1: well I think a lot of those bands lose sight of uh, well, writing, writing songs and, yeah and, you know there's
2: no songs anymore it's just riffs people like Cherry, you know I mean Sepulchur are good players you know but they don't use it. You do, 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 do. I mean, I'm, how long can you go on doing that? It's kind of, you know, young. <laughs> Even when I, when I was young, I was on the Beatles, you know. Already having been through Little Richard and Eddie Parker and all that, and it was all songs, you know. With a solo in the middle, you got two and a half minutes to make your statement, right? Including the solo, twelve seconds in the middle. He has to be fucking good in the middle. You know, he didn't do like little. He had to be fucking good in the middle you know he didn't do like I mean I know Steve Vai he's a nice keyter, you know, I'm sure Satriani is too but I can't listen to albums because it's just some guy showing up. you know and I like a guitarist like Jeff Beck did in Shapes of Things you know bang and out and you go wow you know because it was like right in your face and gone and you didn't even know exactly which guy played it because it was all dark in the you know what do you think that, I mean I'm,
1: I'm 10 years younger than you, so you yeah. think it's a, like a generational thing that we Probably, I hear my
2: father with... talking, you know. That's not real music, do you not know. I, I, I have tried not to do that, but now I know how hard it must have been for my parents because it was even more of a wrench for them because at least these kids that I don't think are doing very good are still playing the same instruments. Right. You know, in the same basic tenure to it, you know. But like, for my parents, it must have been like... <laughs> Well, here we are on Mars now, you know. My father's favourite music was The Pirates of Penzance, you know. He thought that was a give him a big kick, you know. My mother was into Benny Goodman, so to go straight from there to say Eddie Cochran must have been some wrench, you know, really. They wouldn't let me have a leather jacket, I always hate them for that. I got three now. Showed them in the end. (laughs)
1: Yeah,
2: I showed them, boy.
1: Ah, they must be proud of you, though, after all this time, wouldn't you oh, say? You
2: if you're making enough money so they don't have to send you any.
0: Yeah, well, of course.
2: You know, I mean, my father took my pictures around the factory, you know, the first time we got a record of that, with the Rocking vickers, you know. He was, he was proud of me then, like, uh, one month previously he'd been saying, you bastard, you're hurting your mother so badly, I can't fucking stand it. you know, it's fucking unbelievable. Switch, you know. Oh, famous, right. That's my lad, you know.
1: Now, you guys were the first band to ever go to the, Behind the Iron Curtain, right, yeah, from the was U.K.? Part, yeah. How did that How did that come about?
2: I think you got the Red Orchestra and we got to go to Yugoslavia. <laughs> we had dinner with Tito and everything, you know, because it was thing, to you me. Know.
1: Is that music uh, available in any way? I mean, is it possible to hear? Well, you didn't
2: hear three tracks of the Rockin' Workers, because all well, six tracks, we did three singles. Um, it, it wasn't very good, you know, it was just like... And it was great to be in the band and be on stage doing it, but I'm not sure you could call it timeless, you know? I've got it, somewhere. I'll dig it out if you want to know. Were you playing a bass in that band? No, lead. You played lead? Very badly. I was really quite relieved when I found out I could play bass. Because <laughs> I really couldn't do lead. I was a great rhythm guitarist, you know? And I was a rhythm guitar in the first four bands I was with and then I went up to this job with the Vickers' rhythm and they needed a lead player so I just used to turn up the fuzz tone, you know, and um, fake it, you know. And people would, all well, guitar players would stand in the crowd and go, wow, he's so fast. It's just a blur. They didn't realize that's exactly what it was, just a blur, you know. I was playing just a blur. <laughs> well, when did, you, uh, when did you start playing in bands
1: that actually played out? 62,
2: uh, I think, yeah. Sixty-two, sixty-three. So uh, uh, what
1: type of stuff would that have been?
2: Oh, all, all the stuff everybody was doing, then Money and Hippie Hippie Shake and all them numbers, you know. But the, the heavy version, you know, not like the Chan Romero version of Hippie Hippie Shake. You got here and all the swinging Blue Jeans. we were doing the Big threes version, see. I mean, I know this is all drossed here, you know. But A big, th- I have heard of that. I'm trying uh, to think of Oh, they were fucking great, man. I'm sorry, they were so great. Uh, that's another great sadness They, the motorhead of their day passed over in favor of the pretty ones you know (laughs) were were they someone's backing band somebody in the big three am I remembering that right no it was Johnny Gustafson who went on to be in all kinds of bands including the nosy Beats and uh, a couple of experimental jazz rock things Johnny Gustafson was a very good bass player and it was a guy called Brian Griffiths who went straight back to bacon slicing the minute the big three broke up and uh, Johnny Utzinson the drummer who's drums altogether, together with of string and used to fall over to the side as he was playing and he went and bought the first time he got any royalties he stole them all and went and bought an apartment house in liverpool which i believe he still runs it was like people think that the beatles were the clean cut ones you know and the stones were the bad boys and it was completely the other way around you know and the beatles were from fucking liverpool and you know i mean you can't come from london and say you know we're tough because like liverpool was like hell it's like L.A. now, downtown, you know, but with rain. <laughs> Just to make it more interesting, you know. It's a, like it's like Hamburg is what it's like, yeah. It, what it was like. It's not like that, now.
1: And that was their two strongholds.
2: Yeah. It was the North against the South all the time. It seems ridiculous now, but that's what it was.
1: So what was uh, Sam Gopal?
2: Was that before or after the Vickers? That was after the Vickers. That was in 1968, 69. That was a tabla's band, Indian tabla drums. And it was the first time I ever wrote a song. It's quite interesting, yeah? Do you want to hear something?
1: Yeah, actually I would. I've never heard any of this stuff. I've read about it forever, and I've, I've never heard it.
2: Uh, I'm not playing bass on the
1: So the band only existed a year, but you were able to get a, a deal and get an album out in that time? No,
2: well, yeah, uh, didn't uh, Instead of royalties, they gave me a... Gibson, Firebird five, the three pickups mm-hmm. and I went into the band's guitar. That was enough to that band and me started. So I all sons on
0: So you never got
1: any uh, publishing money or anything?
2: That was the way of it in those days as it still is today. It's a tradition which they referred to this is kept with us. You don't know what you're doing. doing when you're doing it, see? That's the problem. If you knew what you were doing when you were doing it, you'd do it much better you wouldn't do it, you know? But you don't because you're in the swing of the fucking thing, you know? It's difficult.
1: You don't think that's changed that much over yeah. the years?
2: A new band in the studio will be, like, intoxicated with doing the first album and they get a chance to do all the little things that and, and these days it's even worse because bands know much more about what they can do in a studio, you know? So they're get to try all the little tricks. So you can easily fool them. You just let them try the little tricks. Hello.
1: What? There's always mention in uh, all your biographies about working with Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, yeah. Was that a long-term thing, or?
2: That was just before that band. Um, just 67, the summer, and like, early fall through him into the States. I was at all the sessions for Axis Boulder's Love," And I did a few radio shows for him. And uh, I was on the tour. I was just for money like Bully for your Money he was on tour it was him and The Move mm-hmm. both of whom had had like three number ones in succession Amen Corner who were the new sensation right Right. Pink Floyd with Sid Barrett The Nice there's a four piece right mm-hmm. he just had their first album and The Grease Band damn they were called as The Air Apparent then without Joe Cocker.
1: oh The Air Apparent became The Grease Band the I lives. did not know that
2: yeah Henry yeah, you know, Henry McCullough and um, Chris the singer the bass player I mean the singer.
1: but you just worked for Hendrix
2: on that tour yeah yeah. well I mean we, all, we were all in it together see it was kind of in its infancy then too but these four geezers in white coats from Watkins overseeing the building of this massive PA which is like probably half of my stack right now you know but like they, they, these huge like murderously heavy Watkins cabs you know with eight tens of them everywhere all over the stage these geezers and scaffolding are white Dust coats on you, it's fucking funny shit. <laughs> it all broke down repeatedly all the fucking time. The only guys who had any idea what they were doing was the Floyd, I think, and Hendrix as well as amplification. You know, because the Floyd had all their little roofers and tweeters all to themselves, you know, they'd invented it. And Hendrix had the Marshall stack each side and the Sound City stack each side. You know, it was a good, good setup. And then he would tread on his. Fuzz box, you know, and little springs and shit to fly along. That's stuff, you know, to unplug plug a new one in. For him. But I mean, I wouldn't say I was just confidant or anything, you know. I, just
1: I mean, what was your, what was your job specifically? Just
2: lifting and carrying and hunting, you know, just an extra pair of hands Or I, I wore floral jeans for the entire tour so, because they were the only pair I had. There was, a, there was a big joke on the tour that I signed more autographs because everybody thought I was in a band. One <laughs> of the bands, there was so many bands on there all dazzled by the amount of people on the tour, so just get everybody sort of autographs just in case, you know. <laughs> That's
1: funny. Yeah. So uh, let's jump ahead. What, what's happening uh, with Motorhead currently right now? Are you guys preparing to tour? Or did you just come off a tour? Uh... Just
2: done Europe. I came back on the 23rd. We did Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Finland. Holland, Switzerland, and Germany. And in five weeks, that's not bad with that flying. Yeah. We can't afford to play England anymore because our home country is the only one that won't guarantee a fee for us.
1: Are you serious? Yeah.
2: Isn't that amazing? It's
1: but like, I mean, you guys are huge in Europe, in England, right?
2: No, not, not for a long time. Germany is our big, biggest solo, husband. been.
1: But you guys had, uh, I mean, quite a number of, of charting records in England, right? Ago it's not that way anymore?
2: No, no, that that was in the days when um, mammals were quite new, you know. (laughs) The last hit we had in England was, uh, well, actually, Ace of Spades went back in the charts briefly uh, this year because they reissued it. We went and did Top of the Pops, it was quite nostalgic, really. but The last hit we had, which was the first time it came out, was about 1983, I think. No, 82, I guess.
1: Really, why do, you, why do you think that is? I mean, you've stayed true to what you're doing. That... I know,
2: but we're not perceived as such because the original band broke up and people don't like that. You know, they, they really don't because it confuses them. Witness Black Sabbath, you know. I mean, when Eddie left, a lot of people just... Uh, we picked the wrong guy to replace him, too. We got Brian Robertson to replace him.
1: But that didn't last very long.
2: No, it was only a year, but in that year, our fan club went down from 6,000 to under 200 really yeah brian just pissed everybody right off you know brian would come on stage uh, deliberately fuck up you know deliberately get too drunk because he wanted to make sure people knew he wasn't you know under the domination of motorhead he was guest at star you know so yeah, he had a lot going on for him poor devil as it turned out we were the last good band he was in really.
1: yeah i mean i haven't heard about him since then
2: He joined state trooper for about six months and they fired him Gary Barden's band you know mm-hmm. um, after that I don't know what he's been doing Brian's one of them people you know he's always got a guitar case on his hand like bent double just stumbling along the road he's just on his way somewhere he's just about to do something it's a shame because he's a magic guitar player you
1: know yeah, but I, would think, I would think people would get back into it with the lineup you've had now for almost 10 years well
2: they did for gigs but not, they don't buy the records I think it's because um, I think it's felt by some people, that we had our day in the sun and botched it, you know. So now we're not a record band but we're a good gig, you know, to go to for a laugh. Line. Or um, the other thing I think might be is because when you're 20, it's important to have your own bands. And we've been around to one, you know. We're yeah. perceived as being from the gang before, you know. And that's fair, that's how it should be, you know, I think. But I think we could sell a few more, I wouldn't mind, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean. Especially in America, we never had a hit here, you see. We never went up and came down here, we've never been anywhere here. We've had a top 100 record
1: well, here. I was going to ask you, why Why do you think that is? We're
2: too rough, man. We're too rough on them. They like to believe in the dream here, you know. Like that good-looking boy, you know, is a dream. Like, whoever's dream it is, but we are not that boy. <laughs> we're too um, we're too abrasive, you know. We're too abrasive in interviews, too, you know, because we don't care. You know? But we're not, we're not trying to make all the, like all the ends meet in a neat little line at the bottom of the last page, you know. I mean, I, I usually leave an interview with a few questions, you know, for them. <laughs> and that doesn't go down that well, you know.
1: See, I, I don't know, because I would think that the music is so, it, I mean, it's so raw and so rock and so pure. Yeah. It's like in a pure state. It's not, yeah. you know, adorned and produced to something else. It yeah. is what it is. Well, it, this latest album,
2: the last three albums have been the best we've ever done, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think there are, you you have done a trilogy We've done really a stuff. real lot,
2: you know. I mean, within the style that we are, we've, we've taken the envelope to its extent, I think. The next album's gonna be completely, like, it's gonna be magic, the next album. And this album, I think, is the best album we've ever made. I
1: you think, like yeah. it better than 1916? Yeah. Because I know you were real proud of that.
2: On I do, yeah, because uh, that had one track on it I didn't like, and this one doesn't.
1: You like everything.
2: Yeah. And that's really big for me to say that, you know, because I mean, there's there's bits, you know, that I would to change. But, like, every song is great, I think.
1: Does that have anything to do with um, switching to Howard Benson?
2: Yeah, it has a lot to do with that. And switching to Mickey D, too. M- Mickey D. See, we were always playing this well. You just couldn't tell, you know, because you are as good as you drum.
1: So you feel that Mickey's kind of... Uh rejuvenated Mickey's, everything Mickey's
2: excellent Mickey's the drummer Phil was before he left Muddy you know but he's actually better because like Phil was always a lot of guesswork you know he wouldn't always come back to the Tom Tom quite in time you know but his enthusiasm made up for that and then the enthusiasm went when he got back there late it was just late you know it wasn't youthful exuberance anymore you know whereas Mickey is exuberant as shit all the time you know it's quite it's quite amusing because he's me you know years ago right He's always the first kid to say, "Let's go, let's go out, guys." You know, "Hey, guys," you know. He's fucking brilliant. Mickey understands about rock and roll. He understands about the presentation of self. You know, he understands about legend. You know, he understands it all. He's very good in it.
1: So, are, do you guys have a U.S. tour coming up, or what's yeah, happening in the states? we're supposed to go
2: out on Sabbath, If they show up. <laughs>
1: If they, can, if they can fill halls well I mean last time I'm they sure came they can fill
2: halls the... it depends who's on the two weeks before any tour you know isn't it you know if the kids have just gone out and spent the money then they ain't got no more for a couple of weeks you know? if they buy a t-shirt and buy a ticket it's gone you know for two weeks I and mean, kids can't afford it you know? but I don't think the tour is like that there's something missing nowadays people are too uh, I don't know realistic
1: well, I, I mean, I think it's what you said. I mean, people going out to a concert where it's going to be nineteen to twenty-nine dollars. Mm-hmm. But it's
2: also—is
1: that the magic's
2: the gone? Ass. It's not magic anymore. It's dirty gossip and lies. You know? Do you know what I mean?
1: What do you think? Some of that has to do with uh, our friends sitting over there and beaming no. people's videos at you night and day. Oh yes,
2: of course. Yeah, that's a lot to do with it. I think videos have made it far too accessible. So that, I mean The word-of-mouth thing is over. You know? Yeah, there's no real mystique to a band. There is no, there's no there's underground, because it's overground. But they don't realize that it's become the thing it fought to replace. It has replaced it, but it's become the same thing, so it's no different. MTV is now a dinosaur. You know, it should be shot. I don't understand why there aren't more independent TV stations playing rock in this country. God knows it's the only country in the world oh, where you Well, actually,
1: the, there are a lot of... Uh,
2: yeah, but in one town, you know.
1: Well, they're localized, but the thing like. is, I, I think that people don't really, you know, search it out.
2: They don't care.
1: Yeah, because they've got the one major network that they can tune yeah. in wherever they are, so if there's something that's playing something maybe a little more off the beaten track, even in their hometown, they won't yeah. even bother to tune it in. Yeah,
2: there's that um, Too Much Too Soon and, and the way Archie Breach contempt, right? Hand and I know. It's a shame, because you know here's my father talking again in my day you know I have when I was a lad but it was more fun I know it was more fun because the kids I see now ain't having a lot of fun
0: they go to the gigs and making a lot of noise
2: but they ain't having much fun when they come out they don't come out singing and punching it in the air you know they don't do they they come out and go wreck a car <laughs> do you know what I mean that's the difference I mean I never threw out anything on stage at a band in my life I wouldn't have no that's retarded it would never have occurred to me but like that's what I got, you know, and like I nearly lost the finger and the thumb, you know. And why anybody would do that is indicative of how it's changed. It's, uh, it's cool to be mean now, you know. But I mean really mean. I don't mean just dress up as it. You know. It's cool to be mean. It's cool to be an asshole. To hurt people. Yeah, to be a shit, you know. And uh, <coughs> your business. Business has always been shits being shit, you know, to people. And that's taken over all together now. I mean, you got people getting on the tour bus with laptop computers, and that's the saddest shit I've ever seen. We you mean know. musicians. Yeah. You know, working out the royalties, you know. I mean, it's fucking the saddest shit i ever seen. They probably get better paid, but they get nothing like the jargon out of it. If you write all the time about a few bucks, I mean, what the fuck are you going on stage with in your head? You think, those oh, can't say paid me from Brazil, you know.
1: How much is each note worth? Watch it, buddy. Look at your watch, you know.
2: Right, that's it. Tink. Go on.
1: Well, yeah, that I guess that is a pretty sad comment. But, uh, there, there, I mean, do you think it has anything to do with just how long rock and roll has been around and maybe it's kind yeah, of played? Rock and roll is
2: still fresh. You still get bands that are completely fresh. It's like every now and again there's the Sex Pistols, you know. And as long as there's a sex pistol coming around the corner, I'm happy, you know. The sex So pistols you still like,
1: see evidence of that today?
2: Yeah, I do. You know, you get people that your parents hate, and that's rock and roll just about right there, you know. Well, what would
1: be an example of that
2: currently? Oh, Skid Row, you know. parents don't like Skid Row much. They're throwing balls into the audience, you know, and shit like that. Bad boy, Sebastian. He is a bad boy, you know. He's a very nice person. I like Sebastian very much. I remember they played Hammersmith with Bon Jovi. And uh, I went backstage and they all went completely fucking gaga, you know. They wouldn't do it now. Sebastian still does his version of it, you know. He (laughs) has to get drunk to do it, you know. But I I, I remember telling him, like, it's a great fucking band, you know. Whatever happens between you, don't fuck it up. I said, you're going to get it in your hands, don't drop it on your foot. And Sebastian told me like he said me and Dave ain't talking I was having like the last time this a while ago about a year ago and I said he said me and Dave ain't talking it's just like you said what am I going to do and I said just don't leave wait right just fucking calm down that's all you have to do you know be a rock the stream will go each you, you know that's what I'm good at because how are they going to stop me
1: well, I mean, you've proved your longevity. They can't stop it. I mean, you guys are getting ready to celebrate your
2: twentieth. Yeah, these motherfuckers can't stop me. You know, I saw Buddy Holly on stage. They can't stop me. I went to the Cavern, I saw the Beatles. I saw Jimi Hendrix work for him. Jesus Christ, they can't stop me, man. A few fucking people with shine on the seat of their pants, adding up numbers all day. Fuck them, were who they? Who'll remember them? Nobody. <laughs> Not even their family. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to ask you After uh, 1916 You said that was like The first LP Where you guys actually got to uh, You know Work summer, in the studio time. And yeah Has it been that way ever since? Yeah So even like Bastards You were able to uh,
2: We to we Bastards The
1: we, band did Yeah
2: we recorded it.
1: Now is, it, is uh,
2: XYZ your company Or C-C-Y-X, actually. Oh sorry C-Y-X. Um, no, they're a German company that does mainly dance music. Uh-huh. But they offered us an inordinate amount of money. So we took it. We, we only got... Um, I mean, did you already have your stuff recorded at this point? No, no. We, um, we took them the advantage you know, to pay back the studio time. We had some recorded, I guess. We, we had the first four or five songs done, rough, and the, the backing tracks for three more, I think. Run on to Germany, and that's when we signed with because there was two German companies were fine for us, and these guys had no money, so we went with them. I completely fucking nursery free, you know. I just wanted the money to pay back all the people we owed and to come out, you know, like not own anybody and get the album done, and that's what we did. I don't give a shit. I mean, they're, they're not distributing it at all, you know, you can't find it, really. Yeah, they, they have no distribution, and they, they, they're like very foolishly um, gave us all that money to do an album which is excellent. And then, like, quibble about sending 200 CDs for promotion, for example. You know, like, they're scared to death now. You know.
1: Well, who is promoting it? Well, they are themselves, but it's not working. They're doing it over in Germany, or do I mean, do they're they have an outlet here? They're doing it here too.
2: They just opened an office to do that. You know, and it's not working. Out, you know, we're, we're doing all the work for them really. You know, but they got this old guy at the head of the company who's, you know, who's like, what's this two dollars here? You know, It's mean, probably fucking Hitler's accountant. You know what I mean? <laughs> fucking. I don't know what's going on, you know. But, like, we've always had shit like that from record companies, and you always do, everybody does, in the end, get that from record companies. You might say, oh, they're doing well, you know, look at all them limos. But they're paying the bill. The band always pays the fucking oh, bill. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, you think they give you anything out of the goodness of their hearts, no, They wouldn't give you the dirt out of the fingernails. You, know. you know, and they despise you, too. You know, they think that you're, like, beneath them, you know, you're a dumb musician. I run rings around these motherfuckers intellectually. The first day I came over here to, when I moved over here, I went to Sony you know, and they said uh, we're having brunch. I said, "Well, what the fuck is that?" <laughs> so I just got off the plane after 12 hours. I'm not in the mood for fucking brunch, you know. Let's talk English, you know. What are we having? Lunch or fucking breakfast? Right? <laughs> so I think that upset him right there, you know. And it was never quite the same. Jerry Greenberg did his best, you know, but he was strangled by Matola. <laughs> Well, what went wrong with that deal? I mean, I you seemed I mean, so enthused it, I think we were a first. tax loss. WTG was a tax loss, I'm sure. The right. whole company. Yeah, because a subsidiary of a subsidiary, right? And the Japanese are nothing if not, like, acute. You know what I mean? So I'm sure it was a tax loss. I mean, it never even looked like it was getting backed. At one point, Jerry Greenberg and his secretary, the only people in the fucking office, they sucked his entire staff, right? From, from up top, you know. I mean, we got nominated for a Grammy, and I went to the awards in New York and Tommy Mottola didn't even come out and say hello. He sent one of his, like, lackeys to do it, you know. And then we had this, um... Yeah, you should write this. We gave him a hit and they killed it. Ain't no nice guy, yeah? We got Ozzy and Slash on the fucking record. Ozzy's on Epic anyway, right? Right. So we said, uh... I said, it sounds like a crossover track to AOR for us. You know, it could be a chance. Why don't you go and push it to the AOR AOR, division? And they said, oh, we tried. They wouldn't take it. I said, you're fucking liar. You have no time to push it. I said, forget it. I'll I'll do it. Our management got one guy on one phone. And they said if we got it on five AOR stations, they'd kick in the awesome night, you know, et cetera. So we got it on six AOR stations in the fortnight so we said well you know we did it so kick in the awesome uh, and they said no so then we got another guy to assist them this is two guys on two phones and we got an 82 AOR stations in a month rotation in New York, Atlanta Chicago and San Francisco I think right and KNAC here of course so we said well we seem to do pretty well we're number 10 in the radio charts and you haven't spent a, a buck you know so can we have a budget for a video Ozzy and Slosh have agreed to be in it. They said no. Well, what would be their motivation behind not wanting to make money? Tax loss. Sure. We said, can we have a budget for a video? They said no. So we made our own video for eight grand, right? It would cost us 25 if they'd done it, right? Of course. And then they held it up at MTV for a month until the record was dead on the radio.
1: That makes no sense.
2: I know. And that's how it is now. So it's all politics. It's all, all, it. all politics and, and financing. This guy rang up from Sony, from the AOR division, which we had made look a fool, right? Rang up this guy in Kansas City, said, don't play that, we didn't give it to you. And at this point, like this guy in Kansas City was so sick of fucking epic, he rang us up and told us. So our manager, Todd, you know, was like, he was pissed off already. That was the final straw. I mean, it was for me too, I must admit, to have somebody do something that low uh, their own record. Yeah. I don't, you know, like, if it's gone that far, then it's too late for them. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't give a shit. So he we, so we said, listen, motherfucker, he said, I've been sucking your dick for a year and a half to get you to try and do your job right. You know, mm-hmm. I've been doing your job for you been paying the money out to do it for you. We gave you the fucking hit in your hand. And now you're trying to shoot it down. He said, what the fuck is the matter with you? He said, I'm from East LA. He said, I got a lot of cousins. I'm half Mexican, half Jewish. He said, I'm going to get a selection of them and come around your fucking house. If that record ain't back at 12.30 on rotation. in that city. wherever it is Kansas City. And it was back on at 10.30. (laughs) But isn't it vile that they made us stoop to that?
1: Yeah.
2: We did it for them. We gave them a hit, right? So there you go. It's on the radio. So we've got a video here it's not a very good video because we had to mix it ourselves because we got no help you know and edit it ourselves in like three hours I think we had to edit the final you know like scrambling on for bits of like downtime off the other people's sessions you know I so said we give you the fucking hit and you held it up withheld our consent from MTV for a month till the record was gone from the radio I mean just what the fuck is that and that's the lowest shit I ever seen.
1: I mean, did anyone ever have any kind of answers to any of this stuff?
2: No, just said no.
1: Man, see, I don't, I don't understand that. See, why sign
2: a band? Why, yeah, well, tax loss is the only thing I can think of.
1: Yeah? See, now, the, the thing I have a problem with that is they have so many records that fail. I why do they, did they need to search to Michael out? Michael Jackson. Yeah, why do they need to search out a tax The tax whole label
2: was a tax loss. WTG, I'm sure of it. Did you ever hear of have two hits on WTG
1: well I mean you're the only band I ever knew of that was on the label Bonham oh Bonham was on WTG
2: killed them didn't it
1: yeah because they were kind of going before yeah. that weren't they killed them didn't it wow that's really sad well so now you guys are basically running everything with this but is that, is that well working? we finally
2: figured out we might as well you know because we keep trusting people and all they do is fuck you over every fucking time I never met anybody who sits in a chair all day that was honest never they're all like they will cut corners the immediate thing to suffer is the music Mm -hmm. if they cut corners anywhere it's on studio costs or like rigging or lights for the show so is the music and the show that suffer when it's those that are paying all the bills so they're killing themselves and they're not even bright enough to see that well because that's what they're selling yeah but there's no risk they won't take any risks, and yet this is a risk business. It's like when Jack Holtzman heard Love, you know, and he said to the guys at Electra, will you do this band? I, I believe in them, you know, because they're excellent. And these guys said, well, what they've done before, did I, did I, the fucking resume? They said, no, we won't do it. So he did it on his own money, and they, they were massive, you know, they are three huge albums. And he was proved right, you know, and the MC5, another one, you know. But all the same, you know, they were still in there, take off that, kick out the gems motherfuckers, because someone won't like it in America now, who is that who is it that writes these letters and I'm sure it's one person you know <laughs> they're, they're pissed off from dagging them you know like or upset from Aldershot right you know <clears throat> disgusted Canterbury I mean who the fuck are they that I shouldn't upset them anyway what have they done that they shouldn't be upset what's their shining record of devotion and fucking honesty you know I'll fucking upset them if they're that easy to upset I can't help it anyway so if you're getting this Sabbath tour um how are you going to get the records
1: out so that people can go buy it after they hear the band oh, we're just
2: going to chase the record company with large hunting knives you know go in the office with axes and that who's actually uh, distributing it here in the US I don't know but it's not BMG which we were hoping for um, the, it's all independent the people that distribute the indies you know mm-hmm. well so, that can be okay it can I mean... be okay if you get a ground rush for it but I don't uh, you know we're out of money the record company says, "Now oh, that was a funny one. What was what was the wording? We got this uh, good reaction on MTV for the video. She so said, oh, well, it's good now, so we don't have to give you any more money, right? <laughs> 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 Who wrote that, man? John Cleese. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, <laughs> hell, it's miraculous, isn't it? <laughs> so you
1: have, a, you have a video off this album that's that's on MTV. Yeah, I haven't seen it? No, I haven't seen it. No? Yeah, it looks great. I mean, it looks like it should be everywhere. I don't it's know. It's just
2: that we ain't. I think, I think that's got all to do with it. We've been around too long. We put this old man by a new band to give him number one. on. I guess. I mean. I'm not resentful of the Ace of Spades. but I get a bit tired of being that's the only thing we ever did, you know. People don't even listen to anything else because we did Ace of Spades, that's us, mm-hmm. That's the box we did. Right. And they they keep not letting us out of it.
1: A few kids so what it. is that though? That like thirteen years ago
2: now? Yeah. But like, it's the only thing that people remember in the states, as they suspect, you know. Because we never had a hit here, but it's a catchy sort of thing, and it was like a big hit in England. I think it was the first album we ever had released here too.
1: Yeah, I think that is. Because right. we didn't
2: get arrested in, you know, for ages they wouldn't take it out of their own. That's another thing, why wouldn't you take a band who'd just been like number six, number twelve and number one, straight in at number one in the English charts, why wouldn't you release their albums? You know? So I would have had good fortune, hello like hits if it wasn't for the music business, you know. Music business just like plays all its money on one card, but it knows it's safe anyway. You know, all the cards are marked. How anybody ever gets through with that shit, I'll never know nirvana thing scared the shit out of them did you see him run it was like the Merseybeat thing everybody ran up to Seattle and signed everything with the guitar around his neck you know which of course didn't work of course it never has you know never has never did
1: but you think that took them by surprise
2: yeah out of nowhere Seattle what would you have bet on Seattle a year before that well, I mean, Every I thought something was plan. going to happen,
1: but I would have never thought that Nirvana would have been the one to go Garden,
2: that far. Soundgarden, know, I would have thought, you know. was the one everybody was talking about, and I was in changed, you know. And that was in changed, like, tend to lie down rather too often to be a, a real threat, you know. I mean, they're, they're all messed up, though, them bands, you know. Before they started, they were messed up, you know. They're such a drag, you know, that fucking, that shit coming around again. I can't okay, stand it. I don't have it in the house, you know, I don't have it anywhere near me. All my friends died on it. It's so dumb. And that's the trouble with being 20 again, so you can't learn a lesson that somebody thought you learned already. You know, you have to go out and fuck up yourself, and then you fuck up there and it's over. You know, by finding out, you found out, but it's not too late, you know. It's too late to not do it because now you've done it. That's a shame.
1: Well, having, I mean, made all these records and done all these deals and all this stuff since the 60s has anything changed during that
2: period as far as the business goes Yeah, it's got worse I mean you can't find anybody in America now who will fucking do anything that might conceivably put even one like department of his job on the line everybody's so desperate to please everybody and not offend anybody that they'd rather kill the music altogether than offend you know disgusted of Omaha right and that isn't how it works. That's not rock and roll, man. Rock and roll it often, it, you know, by itself, should upset them people. That's what it's for, man. You know, they've lost track of that completely. They're trying to make fucking wallpaper out of spikes, you know, and it won't work. And the kids will always come back at them for it. But in the meantime, you know, you waste a lot of time in good bands. You know, I mean, I've seen a lot of, when I mean, first came to LA three and a half years ago, it was a lot better than it is now.
1: Yeah, it was, definitely.
2: You know, there's a lot of like enthusiasm in mean, the air, bands we're playing at. Now, now they get got to pay to play all the way up the strip, you know, and all that shit. And you don't have any money. You don't pay to play. When we were like... first, When I first started, it was years and years ago, you know, like 1964 or five. We didn't used to pay to play. We used to get like six pounds between the four of us, you know. And that was rough, you know, because there was no money. But we didn't have to pay to play. What the fuck is that, pay to play? These guys need the money from these bands they need it what they're trying to do offset the fucking bar bill does nobody give a shit about what they do anymore i mean there's no like balls or guts or fucking coherence or fucking honor left in it at all make it some little band who travel like all night in a clapped out van you know pay to play in your club fuck off you know.
0: and that was the end of side one of the set. we will hear side two in the very next Tone Duff session. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it.